turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, four through 8. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says here in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now each one of us, is a member of the body of Christ. We are part of the church, the body of Christ. And uh, Paul says, each member, we do not have the same function. We do not have the same function. But what's implied is that all of us do have some function in the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ and you have a function in the body. So in the church, there are no just church members or church attenders. God didn't call you to be just a church attender. You are a member of the body and you have a function in the body. And God has given to each one of us gifts and grace that differ. All of us sitting here have been given gifts and grace. God has already given it to you. To help you fulfill that function in the body. So really ministry is just an exercise of the gifts and the grace that God has given you. Amen. So ministry, you know, sometimes you think like ministry. Oh, I never been to Bible college. I don't have a theology degree. I can't do ministry. Listen, ministry is very simple. There's nothing complicated to it. Ministry is you just using The gifts and the grace that God has given you. Just use it. That's your ministry. Amen? So as we say often at church, every believer is a minister. You are a minister of God. You have a ministry. What is your ministry? It's you just exercising your gifts and grace. That's ministry. Nothing complicated. You don't need a theology degree for that. Amen? Unless you want to make it complicated. <laughs> uh, let's keep it simple. Just use the gifts and grace God has given you. That's ministry. And all of us have a ministry. All of us can use the gifts and the grace that God has given to us. And we've all been given different gifts and grace. Not all of us have the same gift. Not all of us do the same thing. All are different. Different gifts and grace given to us by God. And he says... You have a ministry. Use it. But what we also see here in Romans 12, especially in verse 8, is the attitude with which we use the gift and grace given to us matters. Paul says in verse 8, He who gives, let him do it with liberality. So if that's your area of gifting, to be a giver, do it generously. Don't say, yo, back again. You have to give you again. No. Do it generously. 
He who leads, if you're a leader, do it with diligence. Be committed to it. Put your heart and mind to it. You know, don't be on one day, off one day. Where's your leader? I don't know. Don't be like that. A leader must be diligent. Your attitude with which you conduct, use your gifts and grace matters. He says, if you show mercy, do it with cheerfulness. So if you're showing mercy to people, mercy can be shown in so many ways. You care for the poor, you care for the needy, you care for the widow, you care for the orphan. You show mercy in so many ways. But when you show mercy, he says, do it cheerfully. So why are you doing it? Pastor told me to do it. I have no choice. (laughs) Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it out of compulsion. Do it cheerfully. When you show mercy, when you show compassion to people, do it cheerfully. So essentially what Paul is saying here is, look, all of us have different gifts. And he enumerates a few of them. This list is not a complete list. He says, you know, some prophesy, some teach, some encourage, some give, some lead, uh, some show mercy, some give. So these are just some of, some of these, these giftings and areas of grace that God has given. And there are many, many more. I recognize that you have a function in the body. God has given you gifts and grace. Use them. And when you use them, do it with the right or a proper attitudes. Amen? We have to use our gifts and grace with, in a proper attitude, the right way. Now, God's plan is for all believers to be involved in ministry in the church or in the world. That's God's plan. God has never intended for any person just to be a church attender. If you turn with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, this is again a very familiar passage of scripture, but let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Paul writes here, he says that, He, that is Jesus, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So why did the Lord give us these officers, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist? So that the saints can be equipped for ministry. So here's the acid test. The real test of a good church. The test of a good church is how well it is equipping its people to become ministers of God. So if you've been attending APC for some time and you've not started doing ministry, I don't know whether it's blame me or blame you. (laughs) The test of a good church is that it equips People in its congregation to be ministers. And all, not just some. Because here it says, verse 12, He gave these for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Every believer is a minister. Every believer is to be equipped to do the work of ministry. So eventually, you as being part of this church should start doing ministry. And what's ministry? Very simple. Exercise the gifts and grace God has given you. Nothing complicated. Just exercise the gifts and grace. That's your ministry. So find out 
these are your, my gifts. These are the areas where I'm strong at. These are things I can do. These are the areas of grace that God has just blessed me. It's very different from that person. It's very different from that person. That's okay. Each one of us are different. But just start using it. That's your ministry. And this is the time where the whole God is awakening the whole church so that every believer begins to function and carry out their ministry. So this morning, I want to talk about the right and the wrong attitudes, attitudes we must maintain as we go about exercising our gifts and our grace. And, you know, there are many things, so you can make a long list of 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, right attitudes we must maintain as, as servants of God, as people who are serving God in church, outside church. We could make a long list of things. But this morning, I want to just hit on five of them, which I think are very important. And I just want to highlight these five for all of us, because sooner or later, each one of you are going to be involved in ministry. You're going to be doing something for God. Either in the church, outside the church, or both in church and outside church. You're going to be doing something for God. Serving God, using your gifts and your areas of grace. And so these five things that I've shared with us are attitudes we must maintain, guard, and, and, and keep as, as, as undergirding the exercise of our gifts and grace given to us. The first one, and I think this is the most important one. So on purpose, I put it as number one. Ministry simply means to give off the overflow. And I can't emphasize this enough. I, I preach it over and over again at all our pastors' conferences and just reminding pastors, preachers, teachers, ministers of God. You know, ministry is not about performance. Ministry is about you giving of the overflow that you're receiving from God. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 6 and verse 6. He says, when you pray, you go into your closet and you pray. And your father who sees you in private will reward you openly. So what's ministry? It's something is happening in private and God's rewarding you in public. What happens in public is ministry. But what happens in public must follow what's happening in private. Or in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus put it like this. He says, what I speak to you in darkness, you speak that in light. What I whisper to you in the ear, that you preach from the rooftop. Meaning, what you're receiving from God in your private time with Him. What He speaks to you in the dark. What He speaks to you in the ear. That's what you go and you announce, you proclaim, you release in public or in john 15 5 jesus said i am the wine you're the branches if, if you abide in me and i abide in you you will bring forth much fruit so fruitfulness is simply an outcome of me abiding in him and he abiding in me of this intimacy that closeness that we have with god so what is ministry it's really an overflow of what's happening between you and god Amen? Now, if there is nothing happening in private between me and God, if that area of my life is dry and barren, then ministry becomes a chore. Ah, oh, man, I've got to serve all these people. Put that smile on my face. It becomes a burden. 
it becomes a huge thing to carry day after day but when their time with god when that private walk with god god is pouring into you you're constantly being refreshed then out there nothing you're evergreen what's happening because that time with god is always fresh amen so outside it's fine now i'm not saying you don't take time to rest or take a break from ministry we all do that we all need that and jesus did that but what i'm saying is if that time that your walk with god is is you're abiding in him he's abiding in him he's whispering to you he's speaking to you then when you come out in the public it's just an overflow what god's telling me out of that i pick out a few things and share it with people it's just an overflow what god's doing in private and here's the dangerous part if nothing is happening in private then what is happening in public is only performance and anybody can put on a good show and unfortunately the whole christian world revolves around performance how well you appear in public people appreciate a preacher for the one hour he spends behind the pulpit and they don't even pay attention to the life he lives off it and that's a shame ministry is not about performance people can applaud your performance but if in private things are dry things are barren you're like an empty shell you'll crack easily amen So serving God is just it should come out of the overflow. So for me to preach and teach the word of God, it's not like I spend the whole week preparing a Sunday sermon. That's the truth. I don't. In fact, many times I don't prepare a sermon per se because for me my whole life is a preparation to come and speak to you. It's not about putting some nice things together and speaking. It's about constantly walking with God, hearing from him, constantly learning. You never stop learning. You never stop hearing from God. You never stop meditating in the word. You know, and then out of all that's happening, you just come and share with people. That's ministry. Amen. Same thing about worship leaders and worshipers. And when you come on stage here, it's not about you know thank god for the talent that that's what makes you different that's what gives you the the right to stand you because god's given you a gift and a grace but when you come here what happens here is really or should really be an overflow what's happening in private because if you're not a worshipper of god in private then you don't qualify really to stand up here and worship god otherwise it's just a performance amen and it it's applicable to everything else whatever you're doing why do you why do people come and carry all these things and do all these things because personally they're engaging with god personally they're loving god and god's doing something in them god is saying you are valuable you have a role in the body and so they they come and they do all these things but if that personal thing is not going on then coming and doing all these things it just becomes a headache oh man i have to do it because i've been rostered to do it today it becomes a burden a lesson if you treat ministry the way it's supposed to be that it's just an overflow that you're enjoying your time with god and therefore whatever happens is happening out of that overflow it's just spontaneous it's easy amen 
So always remember, this is the bottom line of all ministry. Ministry is an overflow of your personal walk with God. What happens in private is just being shared out in public. That's ministry. It's you exercising your gifts and grace to release what God is doing in you, through you, to bless others. Amen? So, safeguard, hold yourself accountable in your personal life. You know, nobody's going to come and check on you every day. Hey, did you pray today? Do you spend time with God? How are you doing? Are you, you know, nobody's going to do that. Now and then you may bump into some people and say, hey, how are you doing spiritually? They say, yeah, I'm doing fine. All that. And that happens occasionally. But you have to hold yourself accountable about what's going on between you and God on a day-to-day basis. You're the best person to hold yourself accountable. Amen? Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He said, you know, I discipline my body and I keep it in subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's saying, you know, I'm watching over my own life. I could go and preach to thousands of people, but I need to watch over me because even though I have preached to many others, I don't want to be disqualified. So who's going to hold you accountable? Yourself. You watch over yourself. Amen? The second good attitude to maintain as we serve God with our gifts and grace is to serve with humility. This is so important. You know, I've watched people. We give them a little position, tell them to start doing something. And I watch how do they handle that responsibility. They come back next day saying, I'm the big boss here, man. Pastor told me, pastor, pardon me. Everybody listen to me. Oh no, they're going off the wrong path. But they come back with humility. That's a good person. They are having the right attitude in serving God. Amen. In Matthew, the 20th chapter, verses 20 to 28, we see an incident in the life of Jesus where he uses that incident to teach us very important um, truth concerning the kingdom of God. Jimmy and Johnny's mom has been watching Jesus very closely. James and John. (laughs) Man, who's Jimmy Johnny? James and John. Their mom's been watching Jesus very closely. She's been listening to everything he's been saying. She's been taking full notes, all he's been saying. And she figures out that sooner or later, Jesus is going to come in his kingdom. And she quickly wants to make reservations for her sons. Says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, I am right now reserving the seat on your left hand and the seat on your right hand for Jimmy and for Johnny. Full stop. Make sure that my two sons are seated right next to you when you come in your kingdom. Now, Jesus picks up on this. He understands this is not the right thing. This is not the right thing going on here. And so he says, you know, I want to tell you something. Look at the leaders in the world. Look at the rulers in the world. Do they not lord it over those who are their subjects? Meaning, don't they treat those under them as as bosses with real tight fists? Don't they suppress, oppress, and they lord it over their uh, subjects? He said, this shall not be so among you. He says, don't pattern your leadership after the way, after the leader's of the swan. He says then, whoever will be the first among you must be the least. And whoever will be the leader among you, let him be your servant. So in the kingdom of God, what qualifies you to be a leader if you are willing to serve? 
Amen. If you're willing to exercise your gifts and grace with a heart of a servant. To be a servant to people. That's what qualifies you and me to be leaders in the kingdom of God. Like what Bill Johnson says, he says, you lead with the heart of a servant and you serve with the heart of a king. So when you serve, you're not holding anything back, you're giving freely. But when you're leading, you're walking as a servant among men. So a second very important attitude to maintain as you exercise your gifts and your grace is to do it with humility. Be humble. Walk with humility before God and before man. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, Peter says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So it's not just the younger submitted to the older, but even the older submitting to the younger. He says, all of you be submitted, submissive to one another. Walk in hu- and be clothed with humility. Why? He says, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God. He will promote you. He will lift you up in due time at the right time. So, keep this in mind. The higher you want to go in God, the more grace you need. But to have more grace, you need to walk in greater humility. So the higher you want to go in God, the lower you have to step down before man. Because God gives grace to the humble. Amen? We all want to move into higher realms in God. But you need more grace for that. How can you be a recipient of greater grace? By walking in greater humility. Because God gives grace to the humble. Amen? So, as you begin to exercise your gifts and grace in the house of God or in wherever God's given you the ministry, use it with humility. And never use your gift and grace to promote yourself or to, to compare with each other. Amen? We're not here to compete with each other with our gifts and talents. Don't try to promote yourself. Just walk with humility and Peter says, let God promote you in due time. Let Him lift you up. Let Him open up the doors for your life and your opportunities for you. Let Him do it. You walk with humility. You just serve people with your gifts and your grace. Understand that your gift and grace does not make you superior to others with differing or less prominent gifts and grace. Just because you have a gift and a grace that makes you very prominent, you get to stand up and speak every Sunday and everybody is forced to listen to you for 45 long minutes, doesn't make you more important than somebody who just, you know, lays the wires or or clicks on the button to change the PowerPoint slides or whatever. No, we're just different. Just given different gifts and grace. And we're serving God in various ways. But your gift and grace does not make you superior to somebody who has a different gift and grace that is not as prominent as yours. Amen. So, just walk with humility. And here's one very important thing. Your identity must never be in your gift and grace. Your identity is not in your gift. 
so much that we see in the Christian world is all surrounded around an individual's gift. But I want to dare you not to base your identity on your gifts. Your identity must be who you are as a believer, as a child of God. Be comfortable in your identity outside of your gift. So many times I like to go to church and not be known as pastor. I just want to be normal believers. Sit down there, worship God, receive the word. Just, just be happy. Unfortunately, we don't allow that. You know, you go somewhere, people see, Pastor, Pastor, come, come. First seat, sit on the first row. Or worse still, put you on the platform. Now, I know they want to honor the gift and the grace, but, you know, let people live outside of their gift and grace. Give them some time. To live outside of that. Just being a normal human being, believer, washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? But so much of Christianity is all around that gift. And by default, we want people to recognize us by our gift. And that's wrong. Your identity is not in your gift. Your gift has been given to you by the grace of God to serve people. Not to form your identity. Your identity is in who you are as, in Christ as a believer. Now that's the reason on purpose that all people's church, we do not acknowledge big people who come and sit with us. If you've noticed. We practice James chapter 2. James chapter 2 says, How is it brethren when a rich man comes to you, a noble man comes to you, tell him come, come sit up in the front and you give him all the honor. But when a poor man comes to you, you tell him please sit down at the back. And James says, this should not be so among you brethren. And that you don't recognize a person's social standing. When you come together to worship God, all of you are equal in the eyes of God and should be treated equally. This does not mean we don't honor that person, but we obey the words. So there have been times when some big people have come and sat in church. I looked at them, smiled at them. I didn't even mention hello. Didn't say, oh, we have so and so. Let's clap our hands. Didn't do it. Why? Not because I didn't know them. I knew them. But I, on purpose, because when we sit here, we are all equal. We don't recognize people by their gift. We are all washed in the same blood. We all go through the same cross. We have all been pulled out of the same dirt and mire. We have all been saved by the same grace. Let's stand on level ground and worship God. Amen. Now, this might offend some people. That's okay. We are just obeying God. Amen. Because we need to learn to live outside of our gift. And not base our identity in that gift. Be comfortable with who you are outside of your gifts. If you only want people to recognize you by your gift, you've got a problem. Amen? So what's going to help you walk comfortably outside your gift? It's humility. You walk humility with, humble, with a humble heart before God, knowing that this is who I really am. These are just my gifts and grace. I'm using it to serve God and serve people. That's all. Nothing more to it. The third right attitude to maintain as we serve God is to serve with excellence. And I think this is very important. You know, one of the biggest problems as a pastor, and I'm making some confessions here, is that after you assigned a certain role to somebody and they don't do it well, 
it's so difficult to go and tell them brother sister you're not doing it well it's so difficult why because one you're supposed to be kind and merciful and loving and all <laughs> and i understand that yes we have to be patient we be kind but then look this is this is ministry this is serious business you've been delegated with the responsibility you've got to do it you got to do the excellence you got to do it for god and so as a pastor many times i struggle after having assigned a role to someone and they're not up to the mark they're not doing it the way they should be doing it i try to prod them i try to encourage them be gracious to them be loving to them be supportive you know at some point you need to tell them straight in the face and that's the toughest part you tell them look you know you could be doing better you need to be doing better but that's that's the thing when you serve god when you take up something to in a place where you're going to exercise your gift and grace serve with excellence what does it mean first peter chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 peter writes he says as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god that's verse 10 first peter 4 he says be a good steward meaning take this seriously the gift that god has given you the grace is excellent take it seriously and do a good job with it don't waste it don't do it half heartedly be a good steward uh, manage this well handle this well be a good steward of the grace that god has given of the gift that god has given it to you He says in verse 11 if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God if anyone ministers let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be glory and honor and dominion forever and ever so he says when you use these gifts do it with the empowering of God and do it in a way that glorifies God so when you use your gifts and grace to serve one another do it as a good steward you know sometimes we have this wrong attitude you know after all i'm volunteering in church i'm doing the church a favor otherwise they'll have to have a paid person doing this but i'm doing pastor a favor <laughs> as a wrong attitude to have you know nobody can do god any favors amen you're not doing god a favor when you serve him do it as a good steward Well, sometimes we think we do like chalega you know bhagwan ke liye hai na this this is for god you know it's okay do it listen you would not do it that way in your place of work because in your place of work if you give a second class work your ratings will go down no raise and might lose your job so why is it that when we come to the house of god and serve in the house of god we are okay with giving god our second best he understands after all sure he understands but he wants you to give your best he wants you to be a good steward he wants you to do it with the empowering that comes from him he wants you to do it for his glory so do it well serve with excellence i like this quote from aristotle he says we are what we do So excellence is not an act but a habit. Amen. Excellence is not just doing one thing or today I did nicely, very nice. It's not one one point 
one thing that you do it's make it a habit of excellence make excellence a habit amen for example you show up in church and you're arranging chairs do it with excellence think about what you're doing you know let me put it like this let me arrange it properly is there enough space between each aisle for people to stand and jump and shout and kick their hands just do it with excellence you know are the chairs aligned properly in other in the right row of the right columns all aligned i do it with excellence ah people need some chairs is it anyway you know they just put some chairs on no everything look at how you can do it better look at how you can do it well make a habit of excellence not just one off thing make a habit of doing things with excellence another important thing we must understand when we when you're talking about doing with excellence is don't give god something that costs you nothing now we're all looking for god you know the spare time i'll give god why not give god the cream the best i like this like david's heart in first chronicles chapter 21 and verse 24 david had sinned and and god was judging the people and and you know at that time uh, finally the end result was david had to make a sacrifice to god on the threshing floor of a man named ornan god said you go there and make a sacrifice i will stop the plague so david comes to the threshing floor of this man ornan and he says you know i want i need to make a sacrifice on this place and ornan says oh king take this place piece of plot i will give you all the cattle you need everything you need to make the sacrifice and david's response is he says ornan i want to buy it from you at full price not discount because i'm a preacher <laughs> he didn't even ask 20% discount. He said, "Ornan, I want to buy it from you at a full price because I will not offer to my God something that costs me nothing." Look at the heart of David. I mean, he was king. Somebody was giving it to him for free. He could have said, "Maybe this is God, you know. After all, he's giving it to me for free." Come on, quickly put it together. Just do the sacrifice. Let's go. But he said this he said even though you're offering it for me to me for free I will not take it for free because I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing so now I want the sacrifice to pain me it's got to cost me something so in serving God and serving with excellence don't be afraid that if it's costing you something maybe you need to stay up maybe you need to push harder some sweat a bit whatever it's costing you something in order to serve god it's worth it god's watching your sacrifice amen do you think the apostle paul did what he did because it was nice and convenient so we must get rid of this whole idea that i'll serve god when only if it's convenient you'll never get an opportunity that way you might get one in a lifetime but really think about the apostle paul do you think what he did what he did just because things were convenient when you read um, second corinthians chapter 11 he talks about his hardships in serving god he said you know there were many times i was shipwrecked many times i had to hunger 
I was in na- uh, nakedness and in the peril of sword and, 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 and fastings off and, and he was put in prison and he was beaten three times, uh, 40, uh, 39 stripes three times. Uh, he just went through all of this. Do you think it was convenient for him to serve God? Not at all. He served God in season, out of season. When things were easy, things were not easy. He still served so the attitude that we must carry is God. You've given me certain gifts. You've given me certain grace. And I will still serve you. When things are easy. When things are tough. There have been places. They've invited me to go preach. And I get to stay in an air conditioned room. Ah, oh, nice. But at times. I've gone to places to preach. I had to sleep in a chicken coop. A renovated chicken coop. With the warning that snakes could come at night. I've stayed in places where when you had the shower, your room was flooded. All the water drained into your room. It's okay. God, I've stayed in the best hotels in the world. And I also stay in these places. It doesn't matter. It's not where I stay. It's what I'm doing that matters for God doesn't matter to me. So, when you serve God, doesn't matter. You serve God when it's convenient. You serve God when it's not convenient. You serve God when things are easy. You serve God when things are not easy. In season, out of season. You don't hesitate to give God something at a high price because you want to serve God with excellence. You want to do it for His glory. Number four, is to be thankful for the opportunity. There's so many opportunities that God brings our way. And it's so important to be thankful for the opportunity. Understand that the opportunity given to you is not a right that you've deserved, but is a privilege that has been extended to you. Amen? In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, give thanks always for all things to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17, he says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So be thankful for the opportunity. Now I run into so many people who are looking for opportunities, who are desiring for an opportunity to serve God. And I also run into some people who, when they attempted to use their gift and grace, they got thrown out, sent out from their church or whatever. I mean, how many churches would tolerate people who dance? Such a worldly thing, right? How many churches would have a theater festival? Theater. It's a backslidden church. A church... Doing theater festival. They won't understand what it is, first of all, but the word theater is enough. Backslidden church. But here at, at APC, you've got opportunities given to you. Be thankful for it. In some places, and I've seen some young people, they don't, they're not given, they've got the gift, they've got the talent, but they're not given the opportunity. They're caused, forced to stifle where they are. 
They are forced to remain suppressed. Are sometimes even sent out when they try to use their gifts and grace. So be thankful. The opportunity you have is a privilege that's extended to you, not a right that is deserved. When I go to preach in other places and somebody invites me, I honor that very carefully. I treat that invitation. When I take it up, I treat it with utmost care. I don't go there like, you know, I'm this great guy. I've got all this thing going and, uh, you know, this is my right. Don't come. No, no. Come there with humility. Treat it with respect. It doesn't matter if the people who invited me, uh, you know, they're not as privileged as we are. They're not as, you know, they don't have the resources we do. It doesn't matter. When I go there, I treat it with respect. That opportunity given to me. So that I can give the best I can to bless those people. Amen. Be thankful for every opportunity that God's given you. Not everyone gets these opportunities. Handle it with care. Treat it with respect. Be thankful to God that these opportunities have been given to you and me. The last thing is this. Number five. Do it as unto the Lord. You know, when we serve God, or when we serve people, we are serving God. And we must do it as unto the Lord. In Colossians, and this is out of context, Paul is writing about the workplace, but I think this is a very important principle that we could apply. In Colossians 3, verses 22 to 24, Paul says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. He says, whatever you do, you do it with your whole heart as to the Lord and not to please man. You know, we are human beings. We all need affirmation. We all need appreciation. We need it. We're just normal people. But I want to challenge you that when you are serving God, you come to a place, you make a determination inside of you that whether I receive any affirmation, any appreciation from people, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do this with my whole heart. I'm going to do it unto God. You know, in some of these North Indian place trips, you know, you stand there, you're sweating, you preach everything. Not even one person comes and says, Acha baat kia, Pastor. <laughs> Not even one person. Nobody gives you any feedback. So you leave the place, you're wondering like, you know, I preached my heart out, I sweated it out. Not even one person, I don't know whether they understood it or not. Did they get anything out of it or not? You don't know. They don't come and say anything. And you have to come back next session, do it again. And the next day and do it again. And you have no clue. Whether they're really getting through or whether they're understanding or whether anybody's receiving anything. No affirmation, no appreciation, nothing. Just do it. What do you do? Do it. Say, Lord, I'm doing it unto you. And sometimes it happens in, even in English congregations. <laughs> we preach a thousand sermons and you don't know whether it meant anything to anybody at all. Just trust the Lord. Lord, it's your word. I know I've been faithful. I know I've I shared what I needed to share. I'll leave the rest to you. 
You, don't, you cannot live your life by the affirmation, the appreciation that comes from people. Rather than waiting for the applause of man or the accolades of man, you just wait to hear the applause of God from heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's enough. And many of you, especially those of you who serve behind the scenes, you work hard. And most people won't even know your name. They won't even know the sacrifice you are making. Now you come here at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning. You set things up. And you, once the service is over, everybody leaves. But you're just still packing. And nobody even sees you doing these things. So there is almost zero affirmation, zero appreciation. And you do it week after week after week. How are you going to keep doing it? Because you do it as unto the Lord. And one thing you know about God, he is a rewarder. He will not forget your labor of love, which you have given to the, his people. He will not forget it. Nobody may notice. Nobody may come and say, hey, you're doing a good job. Nobody may even say thank you. But there is a God in heaven who's watching. He will reward you. Amen? So learn to do what you're doing. You're serving God. As unto the Lord, whether you get appreciation, affirmation from people or not, doesn't matter. If it comes, that's good. Somebody comes and tells you, you know, hey, that was a good sermon. Somebody comes and tells you, hey, thank you so much for doing, setting up the cables, the wires. That's nice. I mean, that's good. And we all need it. And we must do it for each other. But your determination is in your hard ears. Whether anybody gives me any affirmation, appreciation or not, I am doing it as unto the Lord. Because my God will reward me. He will. Amen. So, five simple but important attitudes as we talked about. And how to use the gift and grace given to you. Ministry is simply you using the gift and grace given to you to serve God, serve people. Five simple attitudes. Number one, let it be as an overflow of what's happening in privates. That's very important. Number two, serve with humility. Learn to be somebody outside of your gift. Learn to be comfortable outside of your gift. Walk with humility. On purpose, on purpose, do things that will keep you humble, will help you keep your feet on the ground. Go play football with the kids for some time. How oh, me, pastor, play football with the kids? Yeah, do it. It helps you keep your feet on the ground. Especially when they tackle you. <laughs> you realize, you know, I may be pastor, but here I have nobody. And they come and cheer you, Pastor, that was nice, Pastor. And you really know they're just being nice to you. So on purpose, do things that help you keep your feet on the ground. Stay humble. Number three, serve with excellence. Give it your best. Don't give God something less than your best. Give it your best. Serve with excellence. And excellence is in habit. Make a habit of excellence. Number four, do it with a grateful heart. Be thankful for the opportunity God's given you. Not everybody gets these opportunities. Treat it with care. Treat it with respect. And number five, do it as unto the Lord. Don't look for affirmation, appreciation from man. 
you know, there are times when I've preached a nice sermon. I thought I preached a nice sermon. Then I get an email pointing out some mistakes I made in the sermon. And you feel like somebody stabbed you, man. It's like, you know, I've given it my best. Every time I come here, it's almost like, you know, I'm risking my life, you know. I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> you guys are good guys. <laughs> but you know, it's not easy just to walk up on stage and preach a sermon. I mean, you, you're, you know, you never come to a place where, you know, it's, it's, it's all easy, you know. It's easy from the content side of, you know, you know there's so much in the word that you can share, but it's not easy in the delivery side. Anyway, so here you are, you've done your best, you're given, and then somebody sends you an email, they pick out one little point where you slipped up, and that's the email that comes to you. Ah, oh, God, it hurts. I'm not saying don't send me emails, I'm just telling you the, rea- real, the reality what happens. I mean, you said 25 good things. Out of the 25 good things, you made one mistake. Some wrong thing, something slipped. And that's the email you get. They never appreciate you for the 24 good things. One wrong thing was picked up. So sometimes those things happen. What are you going to do? Pity yourself? No, just learn to say, I'm sorry. Hey, I made a mistake. I'm human. Sorry. But I enjoyed the remaining 24. Enjoy, enjoy the remaining stuff. I'm just human. It's all. We all make mistakes. But that should never stop you from serving God. Amen. Because you're doing it as unto the Lord. And God understands when we make mistakes. We realize we're human. We make mistakes. We sometimes say something we're not supposed to say. Or, you know, something went wrong, whatever. God understands. But you're doing it as to the Lord. Your reward will come from God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Each one of us have a function in the body of Christ. There's a place that God has for you and me. There are gifts and grace He's given us. We're all different. Different temperaments, different personality, personalities, different uh, interests, different inclinations, different passions, um, different gifts, different grace. We're all different. God made us like that. But we all have a function in the body to serve God in the body, in the world, to serve God. Would you just take a moment to pray and thank the Lord for the gifts and grace He's given you? Some of us, we may have recognized the gifts and grace that have been placed in us. So just thank the Lord. Say, God, these are things you've given me. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunities that you have, maybe in church, maybe outside in the world, that you have opportunities. Just thank him for it and say, God, I'm thankful. All these are by your grace. It's not a right that I've deserved, but it's a privilege that you've given to me, God. And I want to handle it carefully. I want to use it carefully. And uh, just pray that God will just continue to help you walk with the right attitude. With the right attitude. Some of the things we've talked about this morning. You pray and say, God, help me to serve, exercise these gifts and grace that you've given me. While maintaining these important attitudes that I've learned this morning. Or maintaining that time with God. That personal time with God. Of learning to do it with humility. Of learning to do it with excellence. Of learning to do it, Lord, with thankfulness. And of learning to do it as unto the Lord. 
Whether any man appreciates me or not, I will still serve. Whether any person sees me in my struggles, in the sacrifices, that doesn't matter because God, you see everything. You see the price I'm paying. You see what goes into this. And I know you will reward. Would you take a moment just to pray and seek the Lord? Just thank Him for what you've got. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you've gifted and graced each one here. As you saw fit, and you placed us in the body, God, to serve. We are thankful for every opportunity. Thank for every open door that you've given us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Spirit of God, we just welcome you right now. Holy Spirit, just to come upon your people and stir people up, oh God, to use the gifts and the grace that you've given them. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you. We just given to you the prophecy through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift of God. Some of us have, have neglected the gifts, have uh, 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 permitted the gifts to become dormant and inactive in our lives. But this morning, would you take a moment to pray and say, God, I'm stirring up the gifts. I'm stirring up the grace that was in me. God, I want the fire rekindled in my heart uh, to serve you, God, to do things for the kingdom of God. I will not hold back any longer. I will not pull back any longer. Lord, I'll stir up the gifts of God, stir up the grace of God in my life that I will use the gifts, use them, use them. Would you just pray if there's anyone here and you've not been uh, exercising the gifts, the grace of God, not been stepping out, using them for the kingdom this morning, would you take a moment to pray? So God, I will stir up the gifts. I will stir up the grace. I will step out. I will fulfill my role, my function in the body. I don't want to remain dormant, inactive. But I want to serve you. I want to be responsible. I want to be a good steward of the gifts and the grace that God has given me. Would you take a moment to pray? Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Don't let it die. Don't let the fire just... Uh, uh, die out, stir up, stir up, stir up the gifts of God. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, let these gifts be revived in us, O oh God. Let those of us, O oh God, who once served you, but God have not have since become dormant, have since become inactive. We've we've just let the gifts remain idle. Lord, this morning by your spirit, stir it up, Lord, stir up the gifts. Let them come alive. Blow, Lord, blow upon the dying coals. Let the fire burn bright in our hearts. Let us be determined to arise with those gifts, with those graces that you placed upon our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive, receive, receive. A stirring up, a stirring up of the gifts of God, of the grace of God in your life. I call them forth in Jesus' name. Come alive. Come alive. Come alive. I speak to the callings of God, the destinies of God. Some of you are settling for something less than God's appointed destiny for your life. You have settled for what's comfortable instead of pursuing for what is of a higher call. This morning, you choose 
You choose to say, I will rise up to my destiny. I will rise up to my destiny. I will rise to my destiny. I will rise up to the high call of God. I will not remain in what is comfortable. I refuse to settle down for what's easy. I want to press through for the high call of God. I want to pay the price for the destiny of God. Because cities and nations, communities and peoples are hinged, to, are attached to your life. And their lives, their destiny will be affected. It depends on whether you will say yes to the call of God on your life. This morning, would you say, God, I am letting go of what's easy. I'm letting go of what's comfortable. I'm willing to pay any price. I'm willing to pay any price. I'm willing to pay any price for the high call of God. For the high call of God. I'm willing to live for my destiny that you appointed for my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I call for destinies. I call the reviving of the high call of God. In the name of Jesus, I call people out of the comfort zones. I call people out of settling for what's easy and comfortable. I call you into your high calling. I call you into your destiny. Arise! Arise into your destiny. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out of what's easy. Come into your destiny. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let there be a reawakening, a reviving of dreams, of impossibilities that were set, up, set aside. Let them come back. Let them be revived today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We honor you, God. People, I want you to know this morning, it's not just about you. There are souls that are attached to your life. There are communities, entire communities attached to your life. Cities, nations attached to your life. It's not about you. It's about them. If you fail to arise up to your destiny, they are the ones who are going to lose. If you fail to rise up into the high call of God, simply because you want to settle for what's easy and comfortable, they will lose out. To take this seriously, the gifts of the call of God that have been placed on your life are, are intended to touch lives, affect the eternities of souls. It's time to awake out of our slumber. Time to wake out of what is easy and let God stretch us. Press, press forward for the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And when you take that step, you don't have to fear because there is enough grace for you. There is enough grace. God will give you all the grace you need to fulfill that call, the high call of God. So don't be afraid. 
She said, but what about this and what about that? Don't worry, there will be grace. For the high call of God on your life. Father, we just pray you'll awaken destinies, O God. Let them come alive. Let dreams and visions be revived this morning. We thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, let there be a fresh grace, a fresh anointing being released on people. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing, Lord. Anoint with fresh oil. Anoint with fresh oil. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close this morning, if there's anyone here and you've never come to the Lord Jesus, trusted in Him as your personal Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He died for our sins on the cross. He took upon Him all our guilt, our shame, he was buried the third day. He rose up again. He showed himself alive to his disciples. He ascended back into heaven. And he's alive today. And the Bible says, anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. The Bible says, whoever believes in their hearts and confesses with their mouth, they will experience the salvation that Jesus gives. If there's anyone here, you've never received this gift of forgiveness of your sins. And the salvation of your soul. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you will pray that with me. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To welcome him as your Lord, as your Savior. This miracle will happen in your life this morning. Would you repeat this prayer after me? If you've never, never prayed before. Asking Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your life. If you've never done it before. Would you please pray this prayer with me? Just say this with me, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Change my life. Make me a new person. I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And from this day, help me to follow you for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen Father we just thank you for this day thank you for this time in your presence and I just pronounce your blessing on your people as I declare arise and sign for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people Yet the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory 
shall be seen upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.